Hey there, I'm your host, Justin Owens, and this is the Can't Stop Moving Podcast, a deep dive into the life, experiences, and businesses of my very own grandfather, Gary Owens. Each episode, we discuss a different segment of his life or a particular business. He was doing so many different things at the same time, it was really difficult to go in chronological order. So you'll discover quickly that we go off on tangents and down random rabbit holes, but bear with us as I figure out how to interview someone I've known my entire life and attempt to tease out stories I've heard for the better part of 30 years. But before before we like sort of finish the end of the lawsuit, like there's a lot of stuff that happened. Uh, like I remember you talking about checking into the hotel room and you knew the room was bugged and there'd be a cigarette butt in the toilet, cigar, cigar butt in the toilet. And, uh, you know, you were go to Boston to meet with them and you were watching the news the day before your meeting with the president of A&W and he jumped out of the building you know, it was a. Uh, I was at home, and on the TV, the president of United Fruit was a little guy named Eli Black, and Eli ran. He merged. He he had AMK, and he merged AMK with United Fruit to make United Brands, and AMK was little bitty compared to United Brands or United Fruit. He pulled it off. In the deal, Foster Grant sunglasses, Mr. Grant died, and Mrs. Grant took over the stock. And in the process, he slipped 16% or 16 shares or 16-something to his daughter. Under the table. The SEC found out about it. And all of a sudden, Eli is in big trouble. Mm. Powerful man. He takes his briefcase, goes up to the 16th floor of the shirt, and then jumps out the window. Or got shoved, they don't know. I had a meeting with him Monday morning. He jumped Monday morning. I got a meeting on Tuesday. He calls up and says, I had a meeting with Eli. Oh, she says Eli would want business to go on as usual. You come on in. So Ed Gilsorp, the president of Gillette, replaced Eli just like that. Ed Gilsorp, I come on in. Here we got this $220 million lawsuit. He wants to get it settled. He talks to me for two hours visits. He said, don't bother me. Tells his secretary, unless my wife calls and the president calls. They both call. President of the country. Of the United Nixon. States. <laughs> so, During your meeting. Yeah. Huh. So we, um, Ed Gilsarp tells me a whole bunch of stuff. He He's telling me about the wealth in the world is controlled by 10 or 12 guys. 
and most of it European money, old money. And there's a club called the Old Union Club. So when I'm in Chicago, I'm at the Old Union Club. And I, I don't know the history of this thing, but there's, it's a membership of the presidents. All the presidents have joined the Old Union Club. Powerful outfit. And the building themselves are old. In Chicago, they're gray cement like you see in Russia, just gray cement. You walk in the lobby, and the ceilings are 40, 50 feet tall. And there's these old leather couches, these old guys sleeping on them, and there's a swimming pool on the second floor. There's a hotel on the third floor. And so Larry Whaley and I go in there. He's the vice president our deal and we know this sucker is going to be ugged so we go outside in the street to do our talking phone call and come back in it was it was a I never stayed in a hotel or motel like that ever hmm. kind of funny <laughs> next morning we're dealing with a guy named Howard, I can't think of his last name, one of the seven presidents. And I went back there to get the 250000 for advertising. So they said they took Howard, they left the room. And they were talking and negotiating. And I said, well, I'll tell you, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll put the two hundred fifty in it because I'd range it at the bank to borrow again the farm. So when Seymour heard that, he said, he said, let Howard let come outside. He left the room, and he came back 10 minutes later, and he said, keep your 250. Fly with Howard to Santa Monica. He's going to make out a check for you for 250000 so we get, I I get my bag and I step out the next morning to get a taxi to go to the airport. We're in Boston or Chicago. And there's Howard with his suitcase. So we share a ride to the airport with, in the same taxi. We get up in the air and I'm thinking that this is going good so far. You get my 250. Howard said, well, Gary, I might as well tell you, they fired me. <laughs> oh, dang. I ride all the way to L.A. from Boston, and he's been fired. So we, I, I have a general manager named Quentin Roberts. He had a twin brother. They ran in the Boston Marathon. They were identical. One started the race, the other joined at half and finished the race. <laughs> Did they get caught? Yeah. Yeah. It was, time was too good. Anyway, Quentin, he's a cocky son of a gun. He's he's running a thing for me. Our oh, the L.A. Uh, in the office. Yeah. So what I, was that? Was it called Com 200? Yeah, Communication 200. We owned our own advertising agency yeah. so we could get a discount. Mm-hmm. So we land... And Howard and I, 
Howard goes, he writes me a check for 250 They're a block apart, and I walk up the alley, take the 250 to stand all of our, our guy, and Quentin's there, and he, Quentin, oh, he's just so excited. Quentin sneaks out the back door, and down the alley he goes, and he goes in the back door and tells the 120 employees of A&W, Howard got fired, and we got the money. Phone rings. Howard said, Gary, I'm really disappointed in you. I didn't have a chance to say goodbye to my employees. Quentin did it. I said, I'll talk to you in a bit. He goes into Clinton's office. Was Didn't you call him into your office? Because you had had your back surgery? He was in his office. I didn't have an office. I'm laying on the floor. My back's killing me. The nerve is just, until I had that operation, it was just killing me. I'm laying on the floor. I says, Quentin, tell me that you didn't go over there and do that. He said, yeah, I did. I got on my elbows and got a hold of Quentin's desk and raised myself up to where I could see over the desk. I said, you're fired. So then I went in the stands office and said, can you run this thing? Yeah, he said he could. So I said, well, you're the boss. At what point were you in the lawsuit and uh, you guys were in court in L.A., and you had a horse running at Santa Anita. Alabazam. Alabazam. We went over that. Mm-mm. We didn't. Earlier today we did. That's what I mean. Yeah, but we didn't talk about it here. Oh. <laughs> well, there had never been a horse claimed over $10,000 at Long Acres Racetrack in Seattle. So Ned Skinner owns Alaskan Steamship Lines, and he runs this horse for twelve grand. I claim him. This horse was a hard-knocking son of a gun. He could win allowance. We won stake races with him. So we go to say he chips his ankle. We leave him off a year and a half. Bring him back into training. Slow. Take him to Yakima, run him. Take him to Spokane, run him. Take him to Santa Anita. Calls up Jeff's dad, runs Santa Anita, Ray Rogers. It's a big step up. Oh, he says, Gary, you don't realize how hard it is to win a race at Santa Anita. I said, I think we can do it. Well, okay, I'll give you a stall. So we take the horse down there. Howard's at the race. That's where we're in court. The horse is ready to run. One o'clock, one of the first two races. That's where we think he's going to win. I'm going to bet three grand on him. That's where Howard, he'd never seen a horse race. So I said, Howard, if this is a one-time-in-a-lifetime deal. You happen to be standing here when we pull this off, but this horse is going to win the race. He's going to pay pretty good. But we've doctored this horse up and kept him out and groomed him perfect for this race. And, and you're stuck in court. Yeah. So I said, Howard, 
I'm leaving at a certain time. The horse is going to run. I'm, he can't leave. He said, judge won't allow it. I said, I'm leaving. So time comes, I get up and leave. Howard, he's, he goes up to the judge and tells him whatever he's got to tell him. We got an emergency. Judge calls a recess. We get in the car and down the road we go. We run in, just literally running, get into Santa Anita, and then the paddock, they're saddling the horse. The horse is a real calm horse. Looks like he's going to go sleep and fall over. He's got his head hanging down. And Jeff Rogers says, This horse you think is going to run this race? Yeah, we said, You just watch. He's going to break and be slow. He's going to be lay way back. But when he gets to that far corner, he's going to swing out and he's going to pass the herd. And so coming down the stretch, he's going to be pretty wide, but he's going to go by him and win the race. It's going just like we said it was going to go. Horse comes down to the long stretch at Santa Anita. There's a gray horse with a white tail. Clear back 20 lengths. That horse came. Uh, coming down the stretch, the announcer said, Alabazam's pulling away from the, from the herd, from the field. We think we're going to win by 20 lengths. That gray horse caught us at the wire. We won by a neck. Uh, in the bathroom at my office, you'll see the picture. Howard, uh, we got a lot of money on it. And Howard, he's jumping up and down as it this home stretch. He's got his he's jumps up and gets on the folding chair and he gets his arm around my neck and he's pounding on my head as the horse is coming into the finish and this horse is catching a little, us. A little excited, huh? Oh, man, he goes nuts. And we told him, bet your money on this one, Howard. You won't see this very often. So we, you know, we're betting quite a bit. Howard just goes berserk, wins a race. We said, How much you got on him, Howard? And he said, five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Went all in. <laughs> Howard was a prosecutor, a federal prosecutor in New York City, New York. So when we needed a good attorney to replace Lucas and Annis, Ray Rogers said, interview New York, Boston. We picked Howard out of New York, a federal prosecutor. He was a tiger. He turned that sucker around, and we started winning. So I was able to settle a lawsuit and get $16 million. We got our 750000 for They reimbursed us for our legal fees. And I got $16 million and it went into the advertising fund. The owners didn't. We didn't get a penny. I thought all that time and money, they paid my... The, Set part of the seven fifty was my expenses of flying around everywhere. So you, I mean, you were you were tired of the lawsuit. You wanted it to be done. Two years of living in hotels. Yep. Two years of being followed. Two and a half. And uh, I mean, amidst all of that, didn't one of the presidents, one of the seven, uh, tell you not to leave the country? Yeah, Ed Weber. Because he says you don't know United Fruit. 
they've killed thousands of people in uh, Nicaragua, and they bring them down there, the Banana Republic. Didn't you go to D.C. one time when you were trying to get help with the lawsuit, and you were going door to door to each yeah. senator or yeah. House representative? We were all Republicans. The Republicans wouldn't hear us, not a one of them. They wouldn't. They, they were told not to get and go against United Fruit, United Brand. So I went to Senator Gravel from Alaska, Benson, Lloyd Benson from Texas, Democrats, Kennedy from Massachusetts. Seven of them. They they called Senate. They called Senate hearings into franchise abuses. Boy, we were on the front row. People like the newspaper carriers, they joined the lawsuit. Other people piled in and made it a class action lawsuit. So all of a sudden, I had the upper hand in the negotiating. I had this full one. So. That's how we settled a lawsuit. It was. But didn't, when you did that, when you went to members of Congress, I thought United Brands. Oh, like. yeah. They said, when they found out we were going to, to Congress, they said, you're going to go, you're getting in our, our, our ballpark. We own the ballpark. Like you want to play ball? Yeah, step in. Step we in. Own. We own the ballpark. Yeah, they did. Those those Republican senators were running for cover, and uh, the Democrats called that hearing. It Helped into, a lot. Oh man, yeah, it did. So you're tired, you're done, you want to settle the lawsuit. Um, what were the terms of the settlement? It was spread out over time and it turned out to be $16 million. I knew it was a lot of money, but I didn't know how much until, until time went by and it turned out to be $16 million. Mm-hmm. But $16 million, uh yeah. appropriated how? Like, in the, in the, it went into the advertising to save the chain and they couldn't do it. Wasted, and, and they didn't take root beer out of cans and bottles. No. So I should have just I should have upped the price, but I was so tired of going around raising money for advertising lawsuit. I'd had to go around the country to get money to buy the company. Mm-hmm. And he came close, according to that uh, history book. book. Yeah, makes me tired just thinking about it. <laughs> I was in over my head, you know. Well, you were busy. You had a lot of stuff going on at the same time. I mean, when we're talking about you traveling and doing all this stuff exclusively, you know, related to the lawsuit, you still had at least 10 drive-ins that... I had 200 employees. Yeah. And that's just with the your A&Ws. That's not the marketing... Uh, company. No, that's my, with marketing. Yeah. No, my, my my employees. Yeah, and then you had the 
the breeding farm for the thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. You had apartments. Like, you, you had a lot going on. So to add on getting trailed, you yourself getting harassed and dealing with a mega the, corporation, yeah. you're done. Run into the mafia. Yeah. At the expo. Yeah. Yeah, we talked uh, about just, that. We did? Mm-hmm. I'd say this was, I mean. Because the funny part of it was, was I told Daryl Stokes, the mafia wanted to meet. I told Daryl Stokes, that's a mafia. Yeah. Next day, the papers had it, and everybody knew it. Mm-hmm. Now, at the end of the lawsuit, when you were wrapping it up, Howard was keying in, thinking, we can win this thing. Yeah. You know, $220 million, his... You know, pay is going to be pretty good off of that. Uh, Probably seventy million. Yeah, I'm surprised he uh, signed the paperwork to. He didn't. He didn't. He wouldn't sign it. Willie Reeser was with me. He's from San Luis Obispo. Howard's crying. He just melted down, slugging a hole in the wall and the drywall in his office. Willie stepped out. Willie couldn't believe what he was seeing. Howard's just going crazy. So I walked out there and said, Howard, I'm going to get this settled. You're our attorney. Sign the paper. Won't do it. So I go to the opponents, Harry Gershon, representing United Brands. He takes me go to the courthouse, sign the papers. I settled the lawsuit. Went home and started living again. Sixteen million didn't save nah. any anything really. It dropped from twenty five hundred restaurants to three twenty. Three twenty. They were in little towns in Montana and Wyoming, Utah, but in the big markets, it just they were mm-hmm. kind of a sad ending to it. Yeah. Yeah, the dang stuff's uh, still on the market. They got a can and bottle division now two employees but everything in the canned and bottles is uh synthetic yeah well thank you for sharing that it's kind of a long ordeal yeah i'm glad it's over wrap up you know two and a half years of a lot of tension and you know in a one-hour conversation it's there's a lot more depth to all of it but pretty wild yeah met a lot of people to continue to the next conversation between Justin and his grandfather Gary tune in to episode 14 of Can't Stop Moving don't forget to like subscribe and download so you don't miss a single episode you can find Can't Stop Moving podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts visit us at owensfarms.com and interact with us on Instagram at Modern Farmer USA.